Well, hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. It's good to be with you guys. And um, this week, I'm going to do my third and final podcast, you know, that has something to do with this Idaho bear hunt. I know you guys have been hearing a lot about it, but I figure it's better to get all this stuff out now while the hunt is fresh, while people are still bear hunting and stuff like that. So this one's not all about bear hunting, but um, on this trip um, that I just went on in Idaho, like I just said, is I was with Mark Livesey, Ryan Lampers, Brad Hunt, and then Ryan brought a young gun with us named Kyam Lloyd. Um, and none of us, he was kind of un, uncharted, untested, you know. Um, he, like I said, he's a younger guy. He's done some hunt films, but never done one this length. Um, you know, he didn't even have all the gear. He, you know, was using a lot of borrowed gear and stuff like that. And so anyway, um, I wanted to get him on the podcast for a couple of reasons. One, because um, this was a new experience for him, and I wanted to hear about it through his eyes. Um, he also was filming, so you know we had that in common. So we talked a little bit about that. Um, but also, um, like I said, since me and Mark were hunting together and these guys were together, there was not much crossover. So I kind of wanted to get the story from him um, as to how things went down on their hunt. And um, hadn't been able to, ch- to get a chance to get a hold of Brad or Ryan because they're still out kind of doing other hunts and stuff. So I figured I'd grab Kaim, get him on the podcast, and um, and talk about this hunt. And then after this week, you know, we'll move on from this stuff. But like I said, I really wanted to recap these hunts well because it was a really cool trip and uh, learned a lot. And I think people are still in the thick of bear season, so you'll enjoy this one. Um, and even if not, um, there's good stuff, like I said, about filming and just about Kaim's story. And he's a really cool guy. He, um, his name, Kaim, means life in Hebrew. Um, his dad gave it to him. Um, they're, you know, a spiritual family. And so, you know, obviously, I think I've used this verse before, but the verse that just came to mind for this one was when Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance. And Kaim definitely has that. You know, he dealt with some adversity on this trip. He had um, not enough food uh, for a couple days. Um, long story that we get into in this show, but um, he just didn't quit, you know, and even when he was literally on the verge of passing out on one of the packouts. So um, he's a great dude, tough guy. He's funny, fun to talk to, very talented videographer. So looking forward to doing more work with him in the future and uh, just seeing what he does because I know he'll do big things just because of his skills and, uh, and you know, his attitude and all that. So um, enjoy this episode with Kaim. Um do want to mention again, as always, you know, please leave me ratings and reviews on Apple and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, that's that's major. So um, if you want links to or if you look in the description field, you'll find links to uh, discount codes, um, you know, um, two vets, tripods, some stuff we use. I use all the time on these hunts, whether you're glassing or filming. Um, great American made veteran owned company, uh, HQ five, use that code and you'll save some money on a great tripod. Um, we got Heather's choice, uh, use the code hunters quest there, save some money and support the show. And always initial ascent. If you're looking for a great pack, um, we ran these packs on this trip and they just performed beautifully. Um, and Joe and Dennis are awesome people. So if you use the code quest at initial ascent, you will save some money and you will help me out and help the show out. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump into this podcast with Kyam Lloyd. Enjoy. All right. 
Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. I'm here with my guest today, Kaim Lloyd. Um, me and Kaim met on this uh, bear hunt we just did out in Idaho, and uh, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, awesome to be here, and it was super good getting to know you. I mean, you get to know people a little bit better uh, way out there in the middle of nowhere. So, <laughs> Yeah, and... Um, we we'll get into this later, but we kind of, we kind of split off into different groups, so we didn't get to hang out too much, but, um, but I will say you have by far the best looking video setup slash background of any guests I've ever had. <laughs> you know, I try to have that little bit of edge over everybody, you know, that, that extra 20 minute setup, you know, yeah. pays off. So yeah, no, maybe I mean, people will think I know what I'm doing now. Yeah, I mean, I've had other videographers and photographers on, and um, but nobody, I mean, nobody's had anything look quite that good. So, good job. Got to step up your game, guys. <laughs> like now, now I set the playing field. So now I know, <laughs> and you're making me look bad because I was just telling Kaim like I'm in the middle of a move, and so I don't even have my backdrop up. Like I got crap everywhere. My little home office studio is just a mess. But um, good news is when I do move. I'll be, uh, I got like a actual legit, like nice size room I can use for a studio and an office. So I'm looking forward to setting that up. There you go. Well, we're, you're just running with the authentic right now. Like it's right. true to this life. This is just real. Yeah. Down and dirty. <laughs> right. I got sick kids coming back from a trip, in the middle of a move, everything going on. So, but anyway, man, it's good to, uh, I'm glad you could, uh, you could join me, man. I just wanted to kind of, um, just kind of introduce folks to you, uh, just, and also, like I said, we met each other, but we didn't spend a whole lot of time together. So get to know you a little bit better and, um, and also kind of go over, um, like I said, we split off into groups, you and Brad are with Ryan and I went with Mark. So I don't really know much about how y'all's hunt went. So just kind of want to hear, you know, how the hunt went and also, you know, how this trip was through your eyes, because, um, um, you're, you're great and experienced videographer, but, um, you don't have, and I'm not saying I do either, but you don't have a ton of backcountry hunting or at least this length of trip, uh, experience right. filming. So I want to get kind of your perspective on that too. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely one of those things like everyone was like kind of mother hitting me before I went, um, Bryce with <laughs> peaks was like worried that I was just going to be dead in the woods somewhere. Lampers would just leave me and he'd never see me again. <laughs> Um, so he was making sure I got all my gear and I'm, uh, you know, from the Southern area of the hunting world. So, um, growing up hunting was just sitting in a stand and shooting yep. a whitetail that walked by and here. you can be, you can be eating Southern food and in Southern shape to do that kind <laughs> of stuff. But, but this kind of deal up here is a totally different ball game. And I've been introduced to it in increments, but now I think, you know, I've been baptized a little bit oh, going yeah. with uh lampers and brad those guys are freaks of nature like they just make you mad you you look up and they're 50 yards ahead of you on an incline that's past 45 degrees and you're just like man and i'm a young guy i'm like in decent shape yeah um and they're just making me look silly and uh, to me they're old so <laughs> yeah. um you know <laughs> yeah so you're uh, 26 was, is that right yeah i just turned 26 the day before we left actually yeah and dude the funny yeah. thing about brad is is like Brad doesn't even work out like, oh, I know. Guys, like guys like, like, so for me, I'm saying, you know, I come from the Southeast and I've been on a journey of like training and fitness to like be able to do this stuff. 
Um, but Brad, like, I feel like guys that grew up doing this and like grew up in the mountains and just like, were just born into this, like, like yeah. Brad doesn't even train, but like I could probably destroy Brad in a CrossFit workout, but that dude can straight up pack, you know, meat and hike all day long. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about being raised in that atmosphere where i'm pretty sure one of brad's legs is longer than the other because he's always walking on the side of a mountain <laughs> since he was a kid yeah. so i'm pretty sure he's like got this deformation that makes him like really good at like side hilling um <laughs> but yeah that dude i mean just growing up in that and he was kind yeah. of talking about a little bit of his background just he was that was his playground was the yeah. stuff that we look at and we're like yeah i'm not going up there and that's what he was crawling up as a kid yeah. so yeah for sure man so but yeah, going back a little bit. So, um, you know, I had, I've been planning on doing this trip for a while. Um, you know, I went, spent some time with Brian out in Utah, like back in February and we kind of planned me going on this trip. And then, um, and then I heard kind of last minute that you were coming and, and you were kind of an unknown. Um, like you said, like, um, no one knew exactly what was going to happen. And like, <laughs> I remember like somebody said, like Mark said something like, yeah, we don't know, man. Like, you know, he might <laughs> he might be running back to the truck after the first day. We don't know. But I like um, that Mark impersonation. That's that's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like this. Uh, 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 he might be running back to the truck. Um, <laughs> Mark's gonna kill you if he sees this. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Um, uh, but uh, no, but I don't know. I saw you at the trailhead, and I was like, he's gonna be fine. Like, he'll be fine. Yeah. And besides, Come it's not on, like. Man, like everybody everybody that i've met and i've done i've done a few things and like i have a backpacking background like i've loved fly fishing since i first came up here like my junior year of high school and i came up every summer after that and i would go out for like 30 days at a time getting resupplied mm. by pack mules like i loved the the backcountry aspect of things but it, you're getting different type of scenarios sure. when you're packing out meat but i just look five seven i look like a kid i'm very young looking <laughs> so like i'm just unassuming and i think yeah. i always surprise people um because i i have done this kind of stuff before i don't have a lot of quit in me and so it's always like people are like hey, i don't know about this yeah. guy and then it, it takes at the end of the trip so like people are really standoffish at first you know thinking that i'm just like some kind of you know there's this stigma around camera guys in general that haven't been in this world yeah. that you're like yeah those guys are camera guys you know but uh i, well, I plus take i think they had oh, good sorry let me cut you off take pride in what oh, I just taking pride and you know i like the fact that people are like yeah this guy look at his body like he, he looks like he's taco bell every day and then being able to keep up with those guys like i like that like and i do eat taco bell so yeah they're miserable i'm happy every day eating taco bell but then i'm miserable <laughs> on the mountain so there's trade-offs you know okay well i gotta say um you can probably do that now when you in 10 years when you're my age you might yep. not be able to get away hey you might i don't know maybe you're a superhuman <laughs> freak of nature but uh, probably you won't be able to get away with that for too much longer. But I think also, um, Mark had only seen you once, like at that bear summit or something. And I think yeah. you were like, probably like, you know, dressed business professional, you know, business casual or whatever. And, yeah. and he didn't, like you said, he just was judging on appearance and stuff. So yeah. but you did great, man. And, um, I know, like, like I said, so my first time filming ever was with Dan Staten from Elk Shape. Um, and so, and your first time, well, not first time, but you know what I mean? Your first big backcountry trip yeah. like this was with Ryan Lampers. So 
that's pretty cool to have on your resume and, and kind of even just for yourself, your own confidence, just to be like, you know, if I, if I can do it with these guys, like, you right. know, I remember coming back from that first trip with Dan. I was like, if I can keep up with Dan, I think I can pretty much keep up with anybody. I think the same goes for you with Ryan and, and Brad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those guys are just kind of known for just murdering people that are new on the trail. Like they just, <laughs> they're, they're going to leave you behind. And there was, you know, splitting off. I mean, the parts that you don't see is like, I stopped for a, a shot and once Brad's in hunting mode, like, like Brad's like going, like he's like leading the pack, like ready to go. He's, he's in that zone. Um, and I think that's what makes Brad unique too, is he's, he grew up hunting as well mm-hmm. in this, this hemisphere of the world. And, uh, so he knows what he's doing on both ends in front of the camera and behind it. Um, so when he's in the zone, they're like, I'm getting a shot and I'm looking and I rewatch the shot and I look up and they're just like gone. And, you know, so I'm like literally following tracks and like, thankfully, (laughs) like you have to glass a lot in bear hunting because like, I'm just, you know, you, you, I adapted a little bit because most people are like, you know, they see you taking a shot, they'll kind of like, you know, do a little bit of posing or whatever, you know, um, not these guys, like you you get the shot and you don't get it and then they're gone. Um, so that was a little bit of a adaption for me, uh, just being able to keep up with those guys because you better be like recording while walking and, you know, just be ready to go, go, go. So it's very much live action documentary style, literally run and gun. Like they don't, um, You know, there's not a whole, there's really none of the, all right, let me run ahead and get this shot of you doing this or like look back. You know, it's, it's none of that. It's all very real and that's their style and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta say, I, so I see your boots behind you. Um, yes. and that was one thing going back to the trailhead, like, um, were those brand new when we started? Uh, I had probably put 20 miles on okay, them in like, right. in like three days before we left. I mean, yeah. the Krispies are supposed to be like no break in or whatever, but eh, are those guides? Know. Are those crispy guides? Yeah. Yeah. yeah those I things actually, take some break in. Um, those, they were great for me. I had no blisters, no anything. I was, Good. I was golden. That was my first step into, you know, Bryce was pushing me to Lampers was pushing me to get some kind of like, you know, the Ferrari of the hunting shoe. And I was yeah. like, man, almost 500 bucks on some shoes. Like, I mean, <laughs> I see, I see sneakerheads buying like Jordans for 500 bucks. And I was like, boots. Uh, yeah. But anyways, I am so glad that they forced my hand and got me to get those. I wouldn't have been able to do it with anything else that yeah. I've used in the past. So, I mean, your yeah. footwear on this kind of trip is, oh, is crucial. crucial. Um, yep. And I remember, so they, when we got to the trailhead, I didn't know anything about you either. Um, I figured you'd be fine, but I did. The one thing I did, I looked at your boots and they looked brand new. And I was like, surely yeah. these guys did not bring him out here without like <laughs> breaking those in at least. And I was like, dude, do you want some, um, I said, you want some uh, Luco tape? And you're like, no, nah, I'm good. And I was like, he's going to get blisters, but you had already <laughs> figured that out. So, um, that's well, good, man. Uh- in your defense, I didn't know what Luco tape was at the time. Like oh. I just never heard of it. So I was like, I, I guess not. I'm good. You know, <laughs> you were like, no, nah, I'm uh, good. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I was just, I didn't even know what it was. And I okay. didn't want to be like, right, what is Luco tape? Like right there in front of everybody at the beginning of the trip. So <laughs> that's funny. No, I mean, that stuff, uh, that stuff saved my life. Um, anyway, moving on. And I had, so 
I have a uniquely shaped foot, and for whatever reason, most crispy boots just do not work for me. Um, and I went on my first trip ever in a pair of gr- crispy guide boots, and they were actually, um, this is just to show how un- unex- inexperienced I was, they were like a size too big. And Ooh. oh my gosh, my feet got destroyed. But I think I, I hunted the whole like second and third day in Crocs. Um, but <laughs> always anyway. have the Crocs. <laughs> Dude, always, what are you yeah. running now? So now I'm um, using Hanwag. Um, I had um, somebody. I did a lot of research um, and came across someone recommended Hanwag. And I did a bunch of research and I found one called a Tatra Light. And then Trail at Go Hunt actually recommended those. So I was like, well, if I found them and somebody recommended them, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them a try. So they're similar to like a Laponia. <laughs> but then I got these, if you can see right back here, I'm going to try these yeah. out. They're a little higher and a little stiffer because I got a, a big hunt coming up next year um, in Alaska that I need a little higher boot for. I'm going to try those out. Those are Schnee's uh, Timberlines, okay. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I actually popped in the schnees when I was looking at boots. Mm-hmm. Weird. It, everybody, everybody's got to go through that trial and error. Everyone's got different feet. But I yeah. went in the schnees, not a single boot that schnees made. It was so weird. I would take a few steps just in trying them on in uh-huh. the lobby and all of the weight, it would transfer all the weight to my big toe and off of everything else. And like hmm. within five steps, it like just hurt my big toes on both foot. Every time huh. I took a step every single boot and i was like i hope this isn't just like the nature of the beast with hunting boots you know <laughs> yeah. um and so they were i stumped everybody they had four people come out had the manager come out like they could not <laughs> figure it out they've never seen it tried insoles um and so i just went over to sportsman's here in bozeman and picked up uh some crispies and didn't have that problem and thankfully they worked for me so yeah. i was pretty fortunate to have a good first hunt yeah everybody's foot is so different and you can't you know Especially it, it sucks for me because there, I mean, I cannot go anywhere and just try on a pair of Krispies. Like I have to order like three right. different sizes and try them on and then return them. And so it's kind of a pain in the butt, but it's definitely, um, something you need to get, you need to get figured out. Cause you know, like I said, I bought those first ones cause I heard Krispies were good and I was like, oh yeah, you know, just yeah. get them. And then, but they're so specific to your foot. But anyway, yeah. um, Kind of a side note, but I did want to hear a little bit. You talked a little bit about um, you're from Texas, right? Yep. And yep. Um, so nine oh three. So just tell me a little bit about uh, your how you made it up to because you're in Montana now, and uh, how you kind of got yep. into this into this world. Um. <clears throat> so I born and, and raised throw in a little bit of the area. how you got into film stuff too. Okay. Um. So born and raised in East Texas the son of a basketball coach who's the son of a basketball coach um and uh just grew up in that world um dad didn't hunt i didn't really have any figures in my life that hunted but i just took a knack to it um Hmm. so i just tried figuring it out on my own i would ask for guns for my birthday of course i was turned down until i was of the right age um so you had no family members that hunted you just had a natural attraction to it yeah i mean I think my, my great grandpa, I just remember looking at, at pictures, my great grandpa 
um, both of them were big hunters on my grandma's side and my grandpa's side. And I just remember seeing those pictures. And I mean, you know, I think every young man has a tug towards the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times they just, because they don't know, they just don't want to pursue it, the fear of the unknown. But I remember seeing those pictures and um, <clears throat> hearing the stories and it's like, hey, I, I want to do this. And uh, not to say that my dad didn't, my dad did like the, um, you know, just the typical sit in the stand type scenario. Um, and, uh, I mean, I had a little bit of that, but I just remember as a third grader, I would just devour survival books. Like I wanted to know everything about the outdoors. Um, and so that was the shift, I guess. And I was uh, probably, uh, in the gym less than my grandpa and my dad wanted. Um, but I didn't stand much of a chance in my professional basketball career being (laughs) five foot seven. And I knew that early on. Um, so, um, anyways, I just started to put more focus into trying to learn how to duck hunt, finding friends that duck hunted. Um, and I, uh, actually was working on a little ranch, um, near where we lived when I was in high school and the owner had a problem with a lot of water moccasins. Mm. And so I would take buddies and I would go out and we just shoot a bunch of water moccasins. It's just a really kind of swampy area. And I started filming that with a GoPro just because I thought it was cool and everyone loved it. And so that kind of started the trend. And uh, then I think my junior, senior year of high school, we won. We used the basketball game camera, just a crappy, like probably Amazon (laughs) special, you know, just your typical little handy cam. And we won a statewide competition. Um, and I didn't know how big of a deal it was, but people like showed up at our school with like this big check and we're like, Whoa. And like, they like did a last minute assembly. And we were all like, we didn't even, our, our science teacher made us do this. Like we really didn't even want to do it. We just went out you know, had fun. We're like, all right, we'll we'll skip three periods to go film something like whatever. What was, what'd you film? It was just one of those typical like high school awareness deals about like texting and driving or whatever. And we just did like a, a dramatic twist on it. Um, um, I'm, if I could find it, it would be awesome to see it. I <laughs> yeah. know it's awful looking back at it now. Um, but I just remember like editing that together and then like winning a state competition and watching the other people who like their schools did film, like they had film classes oh, and wow. we're just like a bunch of dudes that just happened to do it. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. Um, and so I got a little bit more serious, started to like get into it a little more. Um, and then I went to junior college and, um, at this point I'd done a little bit of experience, worked for a few people, um, and decided to just do my own small, small town business doing real estate and weddings and commercials and, you know, just the way a lot of people start Mm -hmm. and, uh, it took off. I don't know how, I mean, I took out a loan against the only thing that I had, which was my truck. So that was a little nerve wracking. Uh, and I paid that loan off in a year. I mean, it did really well. I just hit it right. You know, yeah. as sort of like as video was kind of becoming cheaper to access and people were realizing, oh, I need this for my website. Yeah. Um, and so that happened. And then I was like, okay, I think this is for real. And so I decided to go to film school. Um, and so I went to University of Central Arkansas and uh, went to film school there, nice. got into the creative narrative process. Um met some great people. Um, one of my first professors, uh, Matthew Foss had a production company there, uh, based out of Little Rock. And he pretty much like kind of hired me as like a DP as a freshman or sophomore, you know, and, uh, I just kind of stepped into that role pretty early. He just loved the work that I did. And, 
um, I guess having that experience from before put me a little bit ahead technically in front of a lot of the other students. Um, so he was great and really kind of put me into a little bit more of the production world. Um, then I graduated and I was Do like, Do you think I you really... learned more in film school or in your oh wedding gosh. business? That That is a tricky topic um, <laughs> because I... I would not, if I would, if I could do it again, I probably would not go to film school. And my parents hate when I say this because they were all about, you know, the college education right, and they were course. definitely, definitely helped me out um, along the way. But um, I, I think that experience in this industry, like no one cares that you have a degree if you can't right. show them a cool portfolio. Um, I think you go to film school for the connections because a yeah. lot of the film world is about the connections and what connections are you going to make in Conway, Arkansas? There's like, are you going to run into <laughs> like Ron Howard in Arkansas? Like, right. no, you're not. If you went to like NYU or something like that, yeah. um, some kind of big film university where your classmates are like Spike Lee, it's a different right. story. But in Arkansas where your classmates are like, you know, they work at Academy down the road. Like it, yeah. it, it's, it doesn't help your career much. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to anyways. ask that because I, I didn't go to film school, but I learned you know, on the job. Um, right. I was, I was on a film crew for, for a TV show. We had like a crew of like 12 guys and 12 full-time videographers. That's how big this like production house was CBN. And, um, and yeah, we would just go out. We traveled probably, three weeks out of the, out of the month, just traveling just doing interviews, reenactments, news events, just everything. Um, and so anyway, I just feel like a lot of people that might want to get into this. Some people are like, Oh, I have to go to film school or whatever. But, um, a lot of times that real world, that yeah, the real world experience is really, um, where it's at. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, to that point, I think, I think there's merits in both of those ways that you go. Um, I'll be the first to tell you to try to do it in the real world um, and just get that experience. But also I, I think that there's things to be said, like it's timing in your life too. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I didn't have that experience already under my belt and I was learning all those things, cause I felt like I was just sitting through classes like, wow, ISO, wow, aperture, <laughs> like, you know, and all these kids are like taking notes and I'm like sleeping um, for the first two years in college um, had I been in that place where I was going in with no experience, all those basics are like invaluable and it gives you a chance. Like you, you're, you're living in dorms, you're having a good life. You're not worried mm-hmm. about bills. So if you're at that point in your life and you can afford to go to college, I say, go for it and yeah. just soak it up. Um, but if you're, if you're really agree. trying to jump into a career, um, the only way to do that is to start at the bottom, fetch coffee and then work your way up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but anyways, yeah, at the, at, towards the end of that, I was working on some, some bigger sets and um, I just, as much as I love the creative process and narrative filmmaking, um, I hate it just as much as I love it. <laughs> um, it was, it's one of those things where I knew I had to go somewhere other than where I grew up, either way I was going to go. Yeah. So I said, I can go to Cali and go to New York. I can start at the bottom, like I said start fetching coffee, be a PA, work my way up um, the ladder. Production assistant for you hunters out there that don't know yeah. anything about the filmmaking world. And DP it's is just, director of photography. I was going to say that earlier. Yeah, I, I forget. <laughs> I forget that everyone just kind of looks at me like, Dr. Pepper? Like, what? Um, 
<laughs> but um, so I, I, I didn't really, that's not my scene. I didn't want to be living in a big city. I didn't want to be on that set life um, around the politics in New York yeah. and California. I like to carry a gun around. I like to have two or three <laughs> in my truck. So that wasn't going to work. And I just didn't, I just wasn't really about that scene. And so I said, I'm going to yep. have to move either way. Uh, so then I kind of narrowed it down. I was like, I, I'm going to just hammer it down here, just doing what I can do, um, continuing to work for some of these production companies, doing freelance stuff. And so I said, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Alaska, and that's it. The, it's make or break. Either nice. I get a job there or I stay here. Um, and then <clears throat> I got offered a position to come up here and be uh, the director of video for an outdoor app. Um and then, so I worked there for a year, got to make some wonderful connections. Uh, Lampers was in and out of the office. Peaks ended up sharing an office there. Um, and uh, Ryan Bassham uh, mm -hmm. was in and out of the office. So I made a, I made a lot of good connections in the industry. Um, and then the app never launched. And so I was kind of just like out on my own. <clears throat> and uh, that was pretty difficult because, um, you know, uh, used to having a pretty, I, I, I took a pay cut coming up here to work like a nine to five, you know, um, was behind the computer a lot more, a lot less in the field. Um, and then after, after that point, when I didn't really have anything going, I had no clients built up. It was kind of a decision. Do you tuck your tail and do you go back home to where it's comfortable and mm -hmm. you've got clients and everything's ready to go? Or, do you stick it out in this wild, beautiful place and make it happen? And so, you know, of course I call my dad and he makes me feel like a pansy for even wanting to come home. And, <laughs> and I, I knew deep down that I wasn't going to leave. I knew that I had to stick it out here. Um, I just didn't want to, um, because then yep. I'm not really embarrassed to say this, but I just had to do something like I had to make it here. Um, and the quickest job that I could find was stocking shelves overnight at Albertson's grocery store. Oh, wow. And, uh, what's crazy is that I just queued up a bunch of, I was like outdoor hunting, um, back country. And then Hunter's podcast comes up the Hunter's quest. So I'm listening <laughs> to this dude without that. And this is like a month before we go on this trip. And, oh, that's funny. um, and so like, I'm listening to your podcast and stuff and I'm like, ah, learning some stuff. And then you got into the, the rounds and the grains and getting your, you know, your load <laughs> right for shooting in the back country. And I was, I just listened to that and it was just words. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of the more technical episodes you listen to about like long range shooting, but <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so I was listening to that podcast and just, man, I was at definitely a low point in my life. Cause I'm, I'm 25 years old at the time. I've got a college degree and I'm stocking shelves with high school mm. kids overnight, you know? Um, and that was just, that was tough mentally, you know, but that was what I had to do. Like, mm. could I have gone back and just, you know, sunk back into routine, made Doing decent weddings. money. Yeah. Uh, but I stuck it out and things worked out really fast. It's crazy. Like there was like a point where I was like, this sucks. And uh, then Next thing I know, um, Bryce at Peaks wants me to do some work with them. I'm doing work for Ryan Lampers and his Stealthy Hunter brand. Um, and then just some other freelance opportunities come up. There's, there's a lot of work out there. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just you got to give that, that time yeah. period. Um, and I, I think everybody's kind of got that story where you got to push through. Um, and I'm super happy 
um, that that happened. Like now I can say that at the time I absolutely hated it. Like course, I left yeah. there every night and I just wanted to punch things. Like I was just angry at the world. <laughs> um, but it was super valuable and, and now I'm doing what I love and yeah. it was, it was great. So I think the biggest thing that I learned out of all that though, is that you, it's not necessarily like you have to work hard, you have to know your craft, but I think I never believed this, but because everyone's like, it just happens. Like there's just a point where it just happens. And I think putting yourself in the right positions mm -hmm. and just working hard, being trustworthy, being a nice guy, like just putting yourself there, like, Hey, I'm here mm -hmm. and nothing's going to happen for a while. You just got to be ready to stick it out. And people see that you're ready to work hard and, and all that. And, and so mm -hmm. I can say that that's true now, because if you just put yourself in that right position and stick it out, it's going to happen. Like you just got to put the energy towards it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, so much of life is just showing up and like you said, just being there, um, being trustworthy, um, you know, making those connections, um, and, and sticking it out. That's, that's, that's big time. And, um, so yeah, man, uh, that's, that's really cool. And I'm with you too on like the, you know, I was always drawn more to capturing live action stuff and like real emotion, real events. Like, yeah. Um, you know, we did like, you know, at work, we would do like, um, reenactments, you know, like we see like someone telling a story on a show and then they like flashback and it's like, so we right. would do that kind of stuff. And I was never really into that. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's super cool that you were able to, to get in there and stick it out through that, through that time. Um, so your dad gave you some advice, huh? On, uh, on not coming back home. <coughs> yeah. Um, I always, I mean, I'm really close with my parents, um, and you know, who I am as a person is thanks to them, but you know, my dad's always got that, that way of just making, you know, what's right, pulling it, like, you know, it it's there yeah. and he pulls it out, you know? Um, and, and he just said like, you know, you, you are like so close to being Walter Mitty. If you've seen that movie, like Walter Mitty, like the guy is like struggling and then he finds himself and like all he does is go on adventures. And he is like, you're like, you have to push through this because like you're, you're at where you want to be. Mm -hmm. You just, you just have to stick it out. And he is like, life sucks, you know, but yeah. you, you got to deal with it. And I'm paraphrasing poorly, like, um, yeah. cause my dad said it better, but, um, well, so many people quit right before the breakthrough, you know, um, and yeah. it's, you know, it's, yeah. there's so many like cliches we could say, but really, I mean, the whole thing about it's always darkest before the dawn is really true. Yep. I mean, it's like, it's always looks the bleakest right before things change. And so just sticking it out there is, is, uh, is big time. So, and your dad, um, you mentioned your dad named you Kaim, which is Hebrew yeah. for life, right? Yes. Yeah. The breath of and God. So, that he breathed into Adam. That is yeah. Lahayim. Lahayim. Um, it's supposed to it's supposed to be said Lahayim, which you may hear like toast or whatever. Um, not that many of you have probably ever been to a bar bat mitzvah, yeah. but uh, and and we're not oh, Jewish at all. Uh, but my uh, my dad's just a weird duck. Uh, I got my creative streak from him um, because uh, he also um, took a lot of art classes in college and painted for a while, and he was in his artistic painting phase um when they had me so here nice. i am ex explaining how to say my name to everyone till the day i die but yeah. I it was I like the third day after i met you and i was like wait a second L'chaim. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like that's what yeah. it is um so but you said he's a you know he's a man of faith too obviously that's that's a biblical yeah. reference so um you know did 
did your faith or I don't know what your, I haven't asked you about it, but that's kind of one of the themes of the podcast. So, um, is faith something that's a part of your life and was that something that helped you kind of get through that, that dark time when you were waiting for that breakthrough? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, growing up in Texas Bible belt, you know, um, Southern Baptist was, and, and my parents were, were always great. I always like to say my mom was too strict. Um, but yeah, I mean, they kept me in line. Everything was, was great. I think they did a really good job. And when, and if I have kids, you know, they're obviously going to be the role models that I look at. Um, but yeah, I, I think I had a really good, like father mother situation because my mom mm-hmm. was super strict and like by the book and like, you know, everything's gotta be this way. My dad was always like, you know, he's a man. He was a young man. Once he's able to relate to me a little bit right. and always like kind of, you know, the calm in the storm when me and my mom were button heads. Um, but yeah, no, um, it's always been, I think I went through a period um, in college where it kind of hit me and not that I ever like, just kind of lost faith entirely, but I went through a, a, a period where <clears throat> I think everyone should do this regardless mm-hmm. of whatever you believe, but you can't just believe what your parents and everyone in the town you grew up in believe and just totally. like continue it. Like totally. I envy the people that can do that and never question it. Yeah. Um, but if you have a, a question in your mind, like <clears throat> you have to believe things for yourself. Yes. Um, and so coming to that age in college, like one day it was just like, I woke up and I was like, I don't even know if I, I believe this for myself, like not right. saying that it's not true. And I remember like not phrasing this delicately enough to my parents when we brought it up. Cause I, I really <laughs> open with them about everything. And they're just like, Oh, so you don't believe in God now, huh? And <laughs> like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say like, I need to know it. I need to know that it's true. Like everything in the Bible tells you that. Um, sure. And so I, I just, I started going to, um, synagogue in uh little rock actually just i just love learning about new religions and i started deep diving into different religions and where the similarities Hmm. um not that i was like a practicing buddhist at any point or anything like that like anything off the wall but i just was really curious about other cultures because there's like a theme across the world you know um all the cultures have a religion and they're all kind of the same thing you know and so anyways roundabout i've kind of found my way back but i think that it's important for everyone to go through that phase where you can't just believe what the people around you believe you have totally. to know it for yourself um so but anyways yeah i think you know it's it's annoying when your mom texts you and she's like have the faith you're gonna break through soon when you're in that dark time you're like shut yeah. up mom like you don't know <laughs> you don't know what i'm going through right now um uh but of course she does they both do uh and uh, afterwards you're like, wow, she, she was right. Um, but in the moment you're like, gosh, mom, like stop sending me Bible verses, like stop trying to be incredible, like just be a downer for one day, mom. (laughs) Um, but anyways, no, they're, they're always really good, uh, at pulling me through stuff and and taking care of me and guiding me down the right path. So yeah, dude, it sounds like you got some good parents and, um, Yeah, I totally know what you mean, man. I had definitely had that process myself too. I had, you know, I, I basically full on rejected it for a while, and then I, you know, went through some dark stuff. And um, but yeah, I did, I did come back to it myself. Um, um, so I do want to um, switch gears a little bit here, and I love all that stuff. But um, I do want to hear a little bit about 
more specifically your experience on this hunt. Um, yeah. So let's jump into that. But before we do, let me take a pee really quick. Sorry. <laughs> I drank like three Ignites earlier. Uh, I should probably go too. I've been drinking this coffee. All right. Ooh, right. So we get to the trailhead and you have, you're using a lot of like borrowed gear and stuff, new gear. Yep. And, yep. um, I don't think you had packed quite enough food. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, I thankfully, like, I don't think a lot of people, think about this like outside of like when you when you obviously you're getting ready to go on a hunt like your first western type hunting like you start realizing how expensive it is just mm. to be like just to have the gear to survive basically yeah. to, to do well um and it's it's a it's an investment to get into that For and sure. uh so thankfully i mean i had like the basics like your basic survival stuff like um i borrowed binos um i borrowed a stone glacier bag which I'm hundred percent getting a stone glacier bag. They inadvertently made the perfect camera bag because they have that pouch for a, uh, <coughs> one of these spotting scopes to go yeah. in. And then on the other side, they've got like, it's like made for a tripod. They have a little tripod scope. thing. Yeah. Yes. It's it, it. They inadvertently made the perfect camera bag to fit this lens and a tripod in on the lens. outside and have, and have quick access. And yeah. so I, I'm a big fan. I thought it was, was and it I've the, gone through a lot. Do you remember which pack it is? Oh, I don't. Was it the seventy nine hundred or no? It was like smaller. a like sky something. It, sky it was, guide. It was, yeah, uh, yeah. And I borrowed that from Batman. I got that great. right there. Okay, yeah. Um, it was like perfect for the the zoom lens setup. Um, I never had a bag. Like usually, I'm like I don't like to. I think Brad and those guys are super rough on their gear, dude. And, uh, so rough. Oh my gosh, I'm like, trying to. Be I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Like they're like throwing camera bodies around, like <laughs> leaving them, like just throwing them in the dirt, like no lens cap. I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just a different world, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they'll just strap it on like underneath the brain of their bag. Like they'll put that flap down and just put the lens in there and, and just like run through brush. And I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> um, so like, thankfully like the stone glacier bag was perfect for me. Uh, and it was a really, it's a, a minimalistic bag, but it's man, it, is comfortable i've gone through a lot of bags and what i'm learning is like so i have a lot of like backpacking background um which like you know those rei 
guys, right? Those, those nerds, um, (laughs) that, that kind of, that kind of background, you know, but what I'm realizing is like that, like all that gear, like you think in that world, like you're like, Oh, this is the, this is premium gear. I think the most premium gear that you can get is in the hunting world. Like, cause these guys, I mean, they're out 10, 20 days at a time and it's rough. Like they, it has to be comfortable to continue the duration of the hunt. So what I'm learning is like all my backpacking gear is pretty much useless. Like I'm having to ditch it, sell it and get hunting gear. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, um, borrowed the bag, borrowed a few other things, um, a puffy jacket, um, stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, my food, was not in order i was probably i packed each for each day i probably packed 1200 1300 calories oh my god um yeah and that's that's i mean that's less than i eat on like a normal day like yeah oh i know um that's that's feasibly what i do when i'm like (laughs) fishing backpacking which also like i didn't take into consideration um like usually i'm eating fish when i'm backpacking and fishing Mm um so that helps a lot i mean you eat two or three fish at night like that's that's a big help um but i was i didn't want to show up and be the guy that bought a tinkara rod to the trail um and everyone's (laughs) like look at this guy gonna try to fish out here on a hunting trip and you all beat me up so i didn't do that um but i wanted to and we were at a perfect place i mean man the water just looked so good for fishing and i could have easily been pulling out 2000 calories a night out of that water yeah um but anyways so i didn't i was i was fine you know just hiking around but then when lampers killed his bear and that y'all made a similar Mm -hmm. trek across the ravine that was and i have a video clip of it where i get done and i'm just like you can tell i'm done for dude it's brutal um, it took us it eight was, hours we shot our bear at noon and we got back to camp with the meat at 8 p.m oh my gosh i need to ask them how long it took us because it was not it was not as long as i would have liked because i was oh man <laughs> i was i was struggling and i and i was running off of i i had the kodiak blueberry oatmeal packet uh-huh. and a package of beef jerky and that's what i was running on that day Oof. for that trek Jeez. and i it's like so was, guys if you're listening it's you know you go down a mountain and i'm not talking about just like walking down a trail like 45 50 degree like yeah. hands and knees deadfall mm-hmm. gnarly stuff like really thick brush pack raft across the river climb up get your bear go down another nasty horrible mountain pack raft again and then go back up that horrible hands and knees steep mountain <laughs> through deadfall yeah. with pack rafts and meat and for me and mm-hmm. kyme camera gear i also had a rifle we uh, me and mark yeah. had like and not you know there was only two of us so and i for some stupid reason brought my rifle so i was going when i came back up my pack was like 100 pounds at least on the way back up so anyway but i do want to hear the story of how that went down Oh, for you guys. Um, so Ryan was like just ready to kill a bear. Like he is, he was ready. And it was in the right spot, right time. Um, we were able to go down on this little perch, had a good shot, plenty of time to set up. He takes the shot. And then, you know, of course I'm happy, go lucky, like, ah, oh, I killed a bear. And then like, they're like getting serious, like analyzing the terrain, and then I really start thinking about this and I'm like, Oh, this is going to suck. Yeah. Uh, 
and so we start going down and the going down was fine um and we get up to the bear and i think i had like two of the hams and some fat um and then all my gear Uh, so thankfully we had three people to spread it out on so um we were doing a little bit better than you guys having to double it up uh but it started raining on our way down Mm. and oh my gosh i was just like just so scared because i was i was slipping and sliding so were those guys like we were just i mean it's what you got to do i mean thankfully Mm -hmm. i i remember a day when i was like i'll never use a trekking pole in my life and (laughs) like looking at that now like that i don't know how people did it like i i just have to assume that the native americans or whatever just cut sticks because there's like on that kind of terrain there's just no way to do it without trekking poles it's like Um, a requirement like i remember yes I broke a trekking pole on the second day. Luckily you guys did a meat run and Ryan brought me an extra one back. But like, that's not like a, like a, like, it's not like a extra item. That's just kind of like helpful. It's like a requirement for this country. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, in Texas, you break out a freaking trekking pole and people are going to laugh at you. But like (laughs) here, like I didn't realize I'm starting to see a lot of these serious hunters and they're using them. And I'm like, maybe I should look into this. And like, now I know like there, I will not, not go anywhere without trekking poles, Mm -hmm. point blank period. Um, uh, but anyways, yeah, that was my first time using the, uh, the treks back, the, the peaks back country elite and they were great. Uh, and I don't know how those things make it through a season with Lampers because I put a GoPro on his. And, like, I'm watching back the footage. I don't know how I still have a GoPro, honestly. <laughs> it looks like a different GoPro because he was, like, tearing it through stuff, like, dropping it on rocks. I'm, like, watching this back. And I'm, like, well, at least it's a GoPro, you know. I'm not yeah. too worried about it. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so we so we get up there to the meet, cut it down, and we're, we're going back down. The rain is just awful. I'm just waiting for some part of my body to get impaled on some of this deadfall. Like these <laughs> it's dangerous. With, oh, it is. That's, that was my, my primary worry. And these guys, tall, lanky guys with long legs, and they're hopping over these huge logs. That's fine for them. When I get there, I'm having to like hug the log with all this weight and just like roll over, just hit the ground on my pack and then roll back over. And I'm just trying to keep up with these guys, you know, so I'm being more dangerous than I should be. Um, and then I lose sight of them for a minute. So my pistol fell out of its holster mm. and I had to go back up like probably 300 yards um, and then come back down. And I, I, it was raining. I couldn't see tracks. Um, so I lost them. I took a horrible line because I thought that I saw something down there and I <laughs> thought it was them. It was not. I ended up like upriver from them and then having to cut back Ugh. up and around and back down through a lot of deadfall. And then the moment that I get there, I wish someone would have been recording, but like, I'm like, I'm like smiling because I'm there and I'm like starting to come down and my shoelace gets caught on something. And I just totally like face first. <laughs> they just look at me and start laughing. And like, well, at least you made it. And I was like, man, that was probably the worst fall that I had. And it happened to be like right at the beach. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we got there and we, uh, I piled in the raft with Brad and I'm just trying to keep that the weight of the meat in the center of the boat. And so yeah. using all my core strength. And I mean, every time he paddled, that boat felt like it was going to flip that raft. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, every time if I started to lean one direction, like I, I think that if if I would have like lost the bag and it went like we both would have went that direction. Yeah. It was 
it was, I mean, two people on a one person raft pushing the weight limit with all the meat that we had in it. Oh yeah. Ugh, it Dude, was, that was it the was... first time I ever used the pack raft. And, uh, I think Mark, yeah. it was the first time he had too. And, yeah. uh, it wasn't like a crazy, like rushing torrent, but it wasn't nothing either. And like, it was yeah. a little nerve wracking, dude. Yeah. I, it was nerve wracking for me because I'm facing Brad and, and you have no I'm control. Like, yeah, and I'm looking over the side of a backpack stuffed with meat <laughs> like this, and I'm just seeing Brad's face get like serious, and you know he's pallid, and I'm like, I have no control over what happens, like, and I'm I'm less nervous, like I feel confident. The waters weren't rough enough where I felt like I couldn't swim away and be yeah. fine, but I have camera gear like out because I'm trying to film, um, and then like as nice as those rafts are one hole and they're like oh everything inside's waterproof i'm like yeah until it's not like until there's right. a hole in it and i've got you know who knows how much money worth of camera gear in the tubes of that raft mm -hmm. so if we lose control it pops it's getting flooded and then there goes my livelihood basically i have to get all new gear yeah um so that you got insurance right um yeah okay but anyway insurance insurance never works uh i've had some nightmare stories with uh insurance i just changed but um uh, hopefully they're better i've had i've had them basically like not pay me um we had we were running a um a narrative film set and i uh, had a ac assistant camera drop my um what were we running with i think it was like a um at the time i had a, a bigger black magic ursa and we dropped it into a creek and it did not work <laughs> after that uh and yeah Insurance they didn't, didn't pay for it Jeez. they pay they paid like some kind of like accident fee which was like a quarter of what the camera was worth and i was uh, just really upset about it yeah. but um anyway. anyways yeah uh so we so we get across and then uh, rolling up the rafts and everything. And I just look up at the top of where we need to be. And I'm thinking, good gosh. And, uh, Lampers and Brad both came over like, Hey, like, let me take a little bit of weight because you got camera gear or whatever. And I was yeah. like, no, no, I know this game. I know that as soon as you guys, as soon as I leave camp, you're like, gonna be like, so Kai, I'm like dropped weight and we had to take his <laughs> stuff. So I was like, no, I'm doing every inch of this with the stuff that you gave me. Um, and boy, did I regret that decision halfway up <laughs> because those guys breeze through it. They're used to it. But my, I just remember at a point running on like 500 calories where God. I was moving, moving my legs and like my brain and my body like feels like the leg should be up and ready to take a step. And I would fall because my leg hadn't moved from the extended oh, no position. Way. Like, like it just, it felt like, you know, like the ghost syndrome when you have to amputate a leg or something like that's what it felt like. Cause I would look down because I have to be real conscious of like the microphones on the camera when it's mounted to your mm -hmm. um, carrying strap. And so like, I'm watching my knee every step on my right knee. And I just remember like looking and like my brain's like move and my legs not moving. No way. And so, yeah, I just have to sit down for a minute and stretch out my legs and just keep going. Um, but that was, that was the roughest I had it. And I was just lightheaded the whole time. Um, just because of calorie intake and not only that, I mean, like, I'm just not used to that. My calves yeah. and my quads have never done anything like that for that long. Um, but I made it up to the top and then I, I sit down and they can tell, I mean, I'm like pale, like looking like I'm yeah. sick. And, uh, I was like, do you guys have any snacks? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they both start laughing and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're, they're like literally throwing, cause I, I'm not getting up and they're about to leave. They're literally throwing snacks at me. And I'm like, oh yes, like, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, and so they're like, all right, we'll, we'll see you, see you back at camp. And so I just sit there and I pig out like a fat kid on all these, you know, yeah. trail bars that they have. And that was what I needed though. That was, that For was sure. clutch. Um, and so I, I remember that was like at a, the point where we shot and there was like probably another 500 foot of elevation gain after that and getting back up to that, that trail. It was my limit. Like for sure it was my limit because I got back up there and I see the trail. So I get excited and I start moving faster and I finally make it to the trail and my knees were like physically knocking together um, mm. and just like shaky. And I'm like, literally like using the trekking poles as canes. And that's how I got back to camp. I mean, it got better once you're on the trail and all yeah. those muscles got a chance to breathe. But, um, I took a video clip afterwards, just saying like, that's the most physically challenging thing that I think I've done to date. Like all the scenarios added up, like that was, yeah. that was pushing limits for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about it too. And it's like, I, you know, I can't think of a day where I did more than that. I like it didn't see, see I was properly, I had enough food, so I probably wasn't as bad as you where I can imagine doing that hungry. But, um, yeah, I can't think of a day where I did more than that. Um, so that sounds like it was kind of the hardest kind of moment yeah, for you. Um, yeah. where were you mentally, man? We're like, um, did you ever have, you know, like doubts, like, dude, can I do this? Like, is this going to work out? Like, what, where were you mentally? Uh, I don't, I've always, I've always just kind of had the mindset of it's going to happen. And there were points where I was like, I'm going to have to bang this out on my hands and knees. Like, I'm not going to be able to use my legs. I'm going to be crawling. And like, there was just no way in my mind that I wasn't going to make it. Like my hands might be bloody, may have to take off my shoes. I may have to take it in twos, like do my pack and half it and go up and then come back or rest or do it overnight or whatever. Um, but I was not, there was not a point where I was going to let these guys see me not do it. Right. Um, so well, I mean, when you're like, peer pressure. when you're like in that moment, when you're on the side of the mountain, yeah, you really can't quit. I mean, yeah, there's not no like, option. Really. Yeah, it's not like you can like get a helicopter out or something. I mean, you could. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but did you ever? Out. <laughs> but did you ever? Uh, I remember after the first the first day I hunted with Dan in uh, New Mexico, we did like twelve miles and like four thousand feet up and down that day, and it was like mm -hmm. it, it ended up being the hardest day of the whole hunt. But I remember laying in the, my tent that night and being like, dude, it like this is day one. If this, if every day is like this, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, like I, yeah. I had some serious doubts. I couldn't sleep. And I just remember thinking like, I was like, well, I know one thing I'm not quitting. Like I'm not yeah. quitting. So, but did you yeah. ever have those, any of those moments where you were just like, dude, can I do this? Or like doubts? I, I think I got fortunate in getting that, that day done with uh, out the gate. Like that was like what day three. Yeah. Day two we or three. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that was pretty quick. And then like everything else seemed mild after that, you know? Mm. So I'm glad that we did that, got it over with. And I was, I was mentally prepared to do that trip again. And that's what we thought we were going to have to do like whole time. Like we, we went and pretty much like used all of our days looking for a bear that we wouldn't have to cross to yeah. go over again. Cause I, I think it was rough on those guys too. I mean, oh, you yeah. wouldn't know it like looking at them. Um, they're a lot, more it doesn't matter who it. you are. That sucks. That's 
that's a killer. That's a killer yeah. jaunt to, to get a bear and haul it back. But I think everyone was trying to avoid shooting across that mm-hmm. ravine again. Um, we were and, too. But then it wasn't, it wasn't looking good. Like it wasn't in the cards. So we, I was just mentally prepared to do that again. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was just so, so happy to be in the wilderness on a bear hunt, getting to be around these guys that, I mean, this is what they do and they're the best at it. And, uh, I was just happy to be there. There wasn't a, I, I, I told Lampers, I was like, you know, I may be there three hours later, but I will be there. Um, yeah. and that was just kind of the mindset that I kept. There wasn't a doubt that I, I couldn't do it. Um, but it was just going to be hard and I was going to be slower than those guys. Um, but so, yeah, I think all of it, I just took it as a, a, a challenge, basically going up that hill. There was definitely points where I thought that like there, I might pass out and I might have to do the rest of this in the dark. Um, there, I was just literally <laughs> running on E and I, yeah. there were times, there were times where I was up and I was weaving. And I mean, if you fall on that terrain, like oh, you're just, you're rolling dumpty all the way down to the bottom until you get and impaled so, on something. Yeah, exactly. And so there were moments where I would like throw my poles and grab something because I felt like I was about to pass out and then wow. it kind of the, the wave passed and I was like, all right, I'm good. And I kept going. Um, so yeah, I, I think just, I was like, I'll take it in increments and I'll do it slow, but I'm going to get there. Um, and, uh, sure enough, I made it, but that was the toughest. And then once that was out of the way, everything else looked easy compared mm-hmm. to that. So like mentally I felt great after that. I was like, I've done the hardest thing. I may have to do it again. Everything else is cake. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I mean, after that it was sunshine and rainbows for me. Yeah. Not yeah, literally man. it rained and snowed every oh, day of that it trip rained. except one. Oh. Yeah. It rained a lot, man. Um, that was, that was tough too, but, um, yeah, man, dude, just attitude and mindset is so huge. I mean, yeah. um, not only in getting you through that, but also um, just, you know, like nobody wants – it doesn't help anybody to have a whiner in camp or a complainer yeah. or, you know, it's it's not good for you personally and it's not good for your partners and nobody's going to probably invite you back on another hunt if you're just bitching yeah. the whole time. So. Um, yep. and you, you always had a positive attitude and, and we're cracking jokes. And, um, so I think that's huge, but I don't know. Do you think, uh, you think you'll, uh, start doing any, any more physical training type prep stuff for the next trips? Or you think you just got this, you just keep slamming the taco bell yeah. and just rock it out. Uh, so, so <laughs> me and Lampers talked about this a lot. We had a whole day under a tarp when it was raining and we had this running joke about how Lampers on his calendar and his phone, he's got the day that I'm going to die of cardiac arrest because my veins are so <laughs> clogged. Um, and so he like the like, healthiest to- dude in the whole industry and like you eating yeah. Taco Bell, like hanging out together. <laughs> yeah. I also said that I was going to get, I was going to use his, his logo and everything and make like the slouchy hunter. And that was going to be my brand. And like, I was going to be sponsored by Taco Bell, but um, no, I will say Lampers, I'm sorry. Uh, the day that I got back, I got Taco Bell. It was just, we talked about oh, it dude. too much. And I slammed I, I like, yeah. I slammed so much bad food on my drive home. Like, I think I gained like seven pounds <laughs> on my drive home. Driving, driving, dude. If you have anything in the car or like you just see the sign, like you see the Taco Bell at the McDonald's, you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. you just weave over there. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, I've already started um, doing a little bit more training. I think the one thing that I took away 
um, from running with these guys uh, and, and Brad specifically, he was like, dude, screw working out. Like if you want to do what we're doing, do what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, he was like, throw a bunch of crap in your pack. He was like, go even get some concrete bags, put it in your bag. Mm-hmm. And then just start walking up stuff. Like be stupid, like just walk straight up stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing that. And so um, it's probably more expensive than a gym membership right now with gas prices to drive to a trailhead. <laughs> yeah. um, but I have a couple of trails here near me, probably a 20 minute drive. And I've been doing that, trying to do that. Um, nice. with the proper calorie intake this yes. time. <laughs> That's um, important. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff around Bozeman that, um, for me, I don't like, I don't like hiking or running without a purpose. So I have to have something yeah. at the end. Like, I don't like to just do it. Like if I'm going to be out in the woods, I don't like to just meander around the woods mm-hmm. aimlessly, you know? Um, so a lot of these places, they have like small creeks that I can fish and then a lake at the end. So I'll kind of like push myself, do an overnight, fish the lake and then come down. And that downhill, I think it's important to practice that downhill too, mm-hmm. because that can get rough on your oh, knees. Um, that's, that's tough. And I, don't I think hate the any- downhill more than the uphill. I think we were talking about it. For me, yeah. downhill is worse because not necessarily physically, but the it's actually like mentally stressful going down yes. Oh yeah. for like, you're going down for like 30 minutes and you're just in high stress mode, like constant cortisone, like um, cortisone drip or whatever, because you're watching every step. There's deadfall. You're slipping, you're sliding brushes, slapping yeah. you in the eyeballs. <laughs> and like, if, if you trip, you're like yeah. seriously in trouble. A potential chance to die there if you yeah. slip. Yeah. It's that and steep. especially in the, the elements we were in with, with rain all the time and everything slick. I mean, I remember yeah. you talking about, I don't trust any log. Yeah. Um, Never step on a I, log ever. I, yeah. I, I learned that <laughs> lesson tempting. too, which, yeah, there was, there was one and it's, it's hard to like, I don't know what kind of elven powers Lampers had, but he <laughs> just stepped over this big, like half log and like put both his feet on it and went over and I was like, cool. Followed suit, just like banana peel, just bam. And, and he looked back and just looked at me and kept going. And I was like, how, how do you like, what is your yeah. magic? You know? Um, but anyways, yeah, it's the, the downhill for sure. It's the constant pounding of yeah. your knees. You know, I yeah. can't, I can't imagine um, oh, doing that, you know, being super overweight, the amount of mm-hmm. pounding on Extra, your knees. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's good. You got some hills around there. You can, and that's totally yeah. good advice. Like, unfortunately for me, I live on a coastal plain, so yeah. I have to recreate um, as best I can. Um, and you know, in the gym, and um, so, but it, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Brad's saying. If you have access to hills and stuff like that, just and I got, yeah, just, I can show you right over here. I got a big uh, bag of plate, fifty pound bag of play sand covered in duct tape that I throw in my yeah. pack, but. Um, but so, um, what are, did you have any other, so other than obviously for this kind of thing, you know, you said big takeaways were like, you know, packing the right amount of food. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. did you learn anything, um, specific to filming that like, cause you are an experienced, uh, videographer, um, but it, you know, hunting, I mean, filming in these conditions and these environments is like a whole different ball game. Did you learn anything specific about, I don't know, gear, your systems or anything like that, that you kind of, uh, figured out on this trip? 
Yeah, I think I think I was I was kind of dialed because I've done shorter trips. I did archery elk last year. I've done a, a coastal island hunt in Alaska, um, and that was a, a long trip, and it constantly rained. I mean, a lot harder than it did on this trip. Um, I think everything is going to kind of stay the same for me gear-wise, um, except for um, the gimbal head on a tripod that brian call and brad mm-hmm. used um i just there is just the the fluid head is great for a lot of things but with a zoom lens on it it's just so shaky every time yep. you move it um so i think that's a change i'm gonna make dude um, i i found the exact same thing because i on this one brought like a nice a nice i was like i'm gonna try this like benro like a nicer fluid yeah. head on that long lens it doesn't unless you have like a 50 pound fluid head or something you are yeah. not using anything moving you're they're not you're yeah. not you're not making any moves like at yeah. all so the name of yeah. the game is a head that that adjusts quick steady and easy and doesn't like when you lock it down right. like drop an extra half an inch or something so that's yeah. where that thing is um is crucial oh, i found they're yeah. totally right about that yeah 100 percent because i mean uh, even even a slight breeze too hitting the that mm-hmm. is such a, a lengthy lens like the the breadth of it that can take wind and shake is just yeah. oh it's unusable especially like you try to pan a little bit like you're like oh I'm gonna make this a smooth pan and you like really get down it's, and dirty yeah. with it and you're like right. and it's like <laughs> it's not it, possible you can't even tell there's a bear there if you it's, like it's awful. if you like go like this it's like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the little the the door spring things. Like as soon as you touch, like wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it's crazy. Um, I think uh, one one other thing that I will pick up and steal from uh, those guys is uh, the anchor solar charging system. I oh, yeah. always just I don't think I have it handy, but um, I remember you saying like, yeah, yeah, I just bring this guy and it's good to go for batteries and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I just take it's literally. Like I'm not exaggerating. It's like seven pounds. Like it's a the biggest V mount yeah. battery that you can get. And those things are chunky. Now it charged my batteries every night for the whole trip, but getting into seven, eight pounds for a battery, mm-hmm. like I would rather sacrifice that for the solar panels. Um, and then just have like a little charger. Um, cause after seeing that anchor solar charger work in the conditions that we were in constantly overcast, constantly raining, yeah. and it was charging stuff. It's like, man, how have I not had this in my life? It is pretty good. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think, I think my system's pretty dialed. I do want to check out the Sony microphones. Um, just because I really, the, the plug into the auxiliary port on the Sony's is just like, I've had problems before with them coming out and making crackling sounds. Yep. Um, now, Brad said that the biggest reason they went to Sony is because the wind would literally mm-hmm. peak the audio so yep. bad that on like a lot of people are using the you know the furries, um, the little Rode NTG stuff. This is their the the newest the NTG Video Pro mm-hmm. video mic or something, but it's got it's got pass filters on it. So I actually like I think it's comparable and it's a lot tougher. Um, I still have to, I want to do a side by side though, because this yeah. is way cheaper and I beat the absolute crap out of this on this yeah. trip. And those Sony mics, man, those plastic connectors are just, they scare yeah. me. Like, yeah, I was running the Sony. I've already broken two of them. 
Um, mm. They, one of them, I was actually surprised. I fell. I basically I um, stepped on a rock in a creek and just like ate it, and Oof. somehow it survived. I don't even know how it was wow. like miraculous, but um yeah they are very uh breakable the big ones but then you know the little i can't remember what's called but brad has that brian brad yeah. that little one yeah that one is money because it's just yeah. it, it, the quality is still really good but it's small and just not as bulky i've had one of those on back order for like four months now but really yeah i saw that they were on back order on bnh like that's the one that i want but yep, that's the now i'm gonna be want. four months after you get yours i'll get mine so <laughs> you can give me the scoop well, it'll be um, interesting to see whether i get my silencer first or my sony microphone <laughs> yeah yeah um, but anyway um that's good man yeah those are those are some pieces i take away from those guys too but um i don't know what's uh any other takeaways um i feel like this was like the crappiest weather wise that it could have been. Yeah. Um, thankfully I was able to borrow some gear. Um, and I had bass hams bigger than me. And so like everything <laughs> that I had was like, I was the, the Michelin man, you know? Um, but I was just glad to have gear, you know? Yeah. Um, like I said, a huge takeaway for me was like, you think, you would think that like these backpackers and the backpacking brands would be legit. But when you compare them to the hunting world's equivalent, I mean, my bag, the biggest thing that I learned was my sleeping bag was horrible. I have a mountain hardware, like Bishop pass or something It's rated to 15 degrees. It got 30 and I was, I used every hand warmer I had that night just to try to stay warm. <laughs> it was awful it was the night we were like really high up like we were on the top of the peak and it just snowed all night uh and it was just super cold and i, I remember everyone downloaded movies on their phone and i didn't have any movies and i just remember like unzipping my tent like to look at the snow it's like piled up and i look over there and i kind of peek through lamper's tent he's watching a movie with the stove going yeah I stove like, <laughs> angry yeah. i was like these guys living the life and i'm over yep. here dude that's a big um, one like the down I, I watched like an entire season of better call saul one day it was raining so oh hard my gosh <laughs> yeah i that is a lesson i learned for sure like it, the the rain if it comes like you need to have something to do uh and so yeah. I, I was like scrolling through videos and pictures on my camera that was literally the only thing that i could do <laughs> just like re-watching stuff uh but yeah definitely uh a new sleeping bag i really like uh lampers the uh the chill coot chill coot. or something like that yeah. yeah um it just it just looked a lot better and obviously i sleep really cold um, but the crappy thing about my bag is the, the leg box is super narrow and it, my knees literally, there's no way to like make my knees not touch Ooh. without pressing against the side of the bag. Hmm. And so like, I have to keep my knees tucked and then my crotch area is just like, because all that's touching, it's just on fire and everything else, all my <laughs> extremities are freezing. And so like, I have to unzip because I, I was literally sweating through underwear in the night oh because God. like it was horrible. <laughs> And, and so like I'm unzipping the sleeping bag and then everything gets frozen, but I just have to air out the boys, you know, like it was just <laughs> so hot in there. And, uh, so it was just, it was horrible. Cause it was like this horrible balance of I'm freezing, 
but at the same time, my midsection is just on Dude, fire. I literally saw on oh. Steve Ranella's Instagram like yesterday. It was a post. It was, I think it was like a fake book. It was like, "How is my whole body cold, but my balls are still sweaty?" Brad <laughs> the secret of behind the scenes. He that. commented yeah. on that and tagged me in it because we were talking about this, and I was like, yeah. "Am I? Is there something physically wrong with me? Is it? Is it my sleeping bag? Like, what is wrong? Yeah. You guys have this issue?" And they're like, "Dude, you're that's weird, man." Because like I showed them, they didn't believe me. So the next morning i woke up and i i this is gross i'm not kidding you i wrung out the underwear that i was wearing like i was sweating i'm not kidding when i say i was sweating through underwear oh my goodness um, dude it was just it, it was just all in that leg box like there's no room at all in that leg box and it's pushing everything yeah. together and you have to keep it together because if you press that down on the sides you're taking away all the insulation power yeah. and so you're going to be cold so then the outside of my leg is cold inside's hot like it was miserable so a big spacious sleeping bag like yeah. bigger than you think you need is worth the bulkiness um for sure that, that you'll have in your bag so that was a big takeaway for from for me <laughs> personally for sure, um so yeah man what's next for you dude um, I actually am going to go out on my own bear hunt, um, cool. here pretty soon. I got a little gig in Nashville that I'm flying to next week. Um, but I got a few places that I'm trying to, to narrow down where I want to go. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to sit in on, uh, Mark's, uh, e-scouting course mm -hmm. at the peaks headquarters. And, uh, I learned a lot from that. So I'm like going through the footage. So I got the benefit of a free class, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm translating that and I found some pretty sweet spots, I think. Um, but there's no way to know until you really go out and try out all these sure. theories, um, you know, uh, and Mark seems to know what he's talking about. So I feel pretty <laughs> confident that I got some pretty good spots. I'm going to really have to work um, to get back in there, but it's my first hunt willing to like abuse my body to get a bear. So yeah. pretty excited. Um, trying to figure out scope options right now. Um, the only thing that I've got is a Ruger M77 Mark II 30-06, and I'm running with it, man. Like, that's yeah. that's what I'm going to use. It's It still comes in, and I have a really heavy, just old metal, like Simmons whitetail scope, mm -hmm. um, and it's still under eight pounds. Um, it's that nice. composite. Um, so, I mean, I'm just going to have to make sacrifices weight-wise. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, dude, I, I, that's not that heavy for, I no, mean, honestly, no. I'd love it to be six pounds, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to dial in my scope right now, um, for that. Uh, and I don't know where I'm leaning. I've reached out to multiple people. Um, but I got to get my scope dialed in, go out, get some shots, get it zeroed and, uh, get a little bit more understanding because yeah. I mean like shots, shots and, Texas people are like, here, I shot a hundred yards. And all the old guys were like, well, a hundred yards, eh? And you know, <laughs> they're taking crack shots easy at like 300, 400 yards. And, and yeah. where I grew up, that's crazy. You know, like that's yeah. like, you know, the, the sniper guy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So bear hunt for me, I got a, a few other things coming up. I mean, continuing to work with peaks and lampers, I'm sure I'm going to be, on some pretty wild adventures i'm hoping to go to zambia with bass ham to film cool. one of his hunts there uh, in africa so super stoked about that um bass ham's always a blast to be around so yeah. this um, fall not, you got anything be... you got anything fall, lined up for the fall yet or uh, not, yeah not yeah with, yet? uh with peaks i'll be doing some elk stuff uh with with bryce and brandon uh going and filming that stuff um so yeah, should be should be pretty busy, and then we got the Western Hunting Summit with Lampers, mm -hmm. uh, 
that if I, I don't know if the signups are full or not, but I am, I love filming these events because I get to learn for free. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff going on at the Western hunting summit, uh, for that sure. Lampers and, and peaks are putting on. So super stoked to be there, but yeah, I'm going to be pretty busy for the year. I think. Yeah, dude. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, it's been cool catching up and I'm sure we could probably talk forever, but, and hopefully we'll be able to team up another hunt again. Um, but, yeah, uh, but thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you coming on. Anything else you want yeah. to say or actually let people know, you know, where they can find you if they want to hit you up or see some uh, of your stuff. Yeah. Just uh, Instagram pretty much uh, is how we young people do things. <laughs> uh, so uh, Kyle underscore films is where my personal stuff goes. And then, uh, if you follow, uh, lampers at stealthy hunter or peaks, you'll probably end up seeing yeah. some of my work. Uh, so yeah. And I'm sure, um, well, definitely some of your stuff will be on this gritty series. Um, since you and Brad were kind of with Ryan, I was with Mark, I'm working on some of that stuff now, but I'm sure that some of your stuff will probably end up, I'm assuming in the, in the series. So yeah. But um, anyway, dude, yeah, it was good catching up with you, man. And um, yeah, hopefully we can talk again. And um, yeah, stay in touch, dude. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Hunter. Yeah, man. Good talking to you. All right. See ya.